When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into another edition of the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the American Raptors. Head on over to AmericanRaptors.com. Get your free ticket. Stream their rugby games. Again, that is AmericanRaptors.com. Today... It is going to be quite a loaded show. A lot has happened in the past 48 hours in Buff Nation, and we are going to get to it all as well as recapping the weekend in football in Pac-12. We are going to start off with yesterday. Obviously, the firing of Coach Durrell came down. If you missed it, we had our emergency podcast. It's right below this one in your podcast feed right now. You could also go back and watch it on YouTube. Ryan, Henry, and I all give our thoughts, immediate reactions to the firing of Carl Durrell and Chris Wilson. We had the press conference last night where we were able to speak to Rick George, uh, Phil DiStefano, and Mike Sanford, uh, three of the most important figures in Buff Nation right now. It started off with uh, Rick George talking about uh, giving his opening statement, obviously acknowledging Durrell being fired and Moving on, we then heard from Chancellor DiStefano. We uh, got some details on the buyout at that point, uh, saying that, or Phil DiStefano said, Carl's contract buyout will come directly from the athletic department's budget. Uh, None of these funds will be coming from tuition money, taxpayer dollars, or general campus fund. Uh, He's also saying that he is confident that the final payout will be less than the $8.7 million number that has been floated around. We'll see as those details begin to come out. Uh, Then... We heard from Mike Sanford, obviously thrust into a crazy situation here, who just joined this team not too long ago, a few months ago. Now, all of a sudden, he's the head coach. He does have head coaching experience in the past, uh, Western Kentucky most recently. Uh, That is when he moved on to Minnesota, where he began working with Clay Patterson, who was the tight ends coach there. He comes over as the tight ends coach for the Buffs. He is now your offensive coordinator. And Gerald Chapman, uh, he has been promoted from defensive line coach to defensive coordinator. Chapman was getting a lot of praise from Durrell and uh, Sanford in that press conference, being called a galvanizer of people, a credible motivator, all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, if you want to read a lot more of these quotes, I just published an article up on the site. Uh, head on over to the buff section. It should be right on the top there, maybe below this podcast if you're seeing this. Uh, we get into a lot of the details. I actually asked Rick George and the Chancellor about what a lot of what you guys have been complaining to me about and asking me to ask, and that was uh, how serious they're taking the future of the football program just with the current landscape of college football and if they are supporting 
the program enough. It was a pretty long-winded answer. You can catch the whole thing on my Twitter. Uh, you can also watch the whole press conference on CU Buffs YouTube page. Uh, just type that in there and it'll all come up, all 30 minutes of it or so. Uh, Mike Sanford then just continued talking about his team, the players, saying that he was going to meet with all the players this week, something that he just felt was super important. Uh, he mentioned the youth on offense and talked about the veterans on defense who I think that the defense especially should play better, uh, play a faster, more simpler style. We'll see how that holds true. Of course, is CU's bye week this week, so they have a lot of, not a lot of time, they have some extra time to, you know, tighten some nuts and screws to try and fine-tune this product. Mike Sanford did his final remarks uh, in his opening statement said that he's expecting a much more improved football team 13 days from now, that'd be 12 days from now, or possibly even shorter from when you're listening to this. We'll see if that rings true. A lot to get to. On Tuesday, we are actually going to have the first practice and media availability of Mike Sanford as the interim head coach, so stay tuned to this show. There will probably be an article up sometime after tomorrow afternoon talking about everything that Mike Sanford had to say. With that... We're going to check transition. We didn't even talk about the game. We haven't even gotten to the game yet. Uh, there was a football game that the Buffs played in on Saturday. We will definitely talk about that. But first, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at Game Time. Game Time is the hottest new ticketing site. It makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. Uh, at DMBR, we've used it many times. We went to a Rockies outing a few weeks ago. We got tickets for a dollar standing outside the stadium. I know many people have used it for Broncos games. Uh, I end up using it myself for the Broncos game this Thursday against the Colts. Uh, we won't talk too much about the Broncos, a rough one there yesterday. If you love DMVR, then you'll love game time. It's the best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the description. It should be in the description on your podcasting app. It should also be in the description on the article on the site. Join over 15 million people who have downloaded the game time app and score the best seats to all your favorite events. Also want to shout out DraftKings Sportsbook the official sports betting partner of the NFL. Uh, tons of free promotions going on right now. I know it's Monday night. You're probably not. You're definitely not going to hear this before the Monday night game starts since it's 20 minutes away right now, but they boosted Cooper Cup to plus 150 anytime touchdown odds. All kinds of crazy and fun deals going on over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, you can check out their stepped-up same-game parlays. I know they had a promotion going on with that this weekend. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. For my pick of the week this week, I am going to go with the Detroit Lions and the New England Patriots. Let's take the over in that game. We're at 46.5 right now. That's fairly low. Detroit Lions, one of the highest scoring offenses in the NFL and one of the worst scoring defenses in the NFL. So expect a lot of points. Uh, I hit on that over last week. That is going to be a DraftKings pick of the week after I failed you guys twice last week. We took the Broncos plus two, and I think we took the Texans plus five. Uh, both went very, very wrong. We'll hope this one goes a lot better. Let's talk about the football game that was played on Saturday night. The Buffs traveled to Tucson to play the Arizona Wildcats, and early on, there was some hope for the Buffs. Uh, Arizona started off on offense. It was pretty rough first drive. I mean, 
Jaden Delora and the Wildcats basically did whatever they wanted. It was an 11 play, 75 yard drive. The Wildcats went two of two on third down, seven nothing right off the bat. Deion Smith would end up getting the start at running back for the Buffs, something that was very interesting. We did see him a lot more involved, and we'll get to him a little bit later. Owen McCown was playing well on the first offensive drive. It was a solid showing in that first drive by the Buffs. They go immediately down the field, nine plays, 70 yards, tie the game, seven to seven. But they hand the ball right back to Arizona. 14 plays, 75 yards for them, and another touchdown. CU would then punt. They would get a stop on Arizona on the next drive, and CU would punt again. So it was late into the game, or until the first half. I guess it was midway through, and it was still a one-score game. Arizona missed their extra point, so it was 13-7. to The Buffs could have taken the lead if they could have mounted any type of offensive momentum after that first drive. Arizona starts to pick it up offensively. Um, the but the refs were kind of crude to the Buffs too. Uh, Owen McCown was hit in the helmet uh, by defender with his face mask. That was not called for targeting because apparently you're allowed to hit guys in the head with your face mask. Um, and then we saw someone else get clothesline tackled. I can't remember who exactly, uh, just right around the neck. I want to say it was Jordan Tyson, although I don't think that was exactly right. I think it was a receiver on an end around, so it might have been Jordan Tyson. can't remember off the top of my head, though. Um, anyways, it before you could even blink, really, it was just, what is it, 26-7 to 7 at this point. Uh, the Buffs finally got another touchdown at the end of the first half. So there was some hope there, um, especially once Arizona missed their field goal at the end of the first half. You're looking at a 26-13 game. I mean, that's not that far out of reach, and it's one possession, and you're right back in it. Um, if you get a stop on defense, you could potentially take the lead again. That just didn't happen whatsoever. Arizona really caught fire in the second half. Uh, Jaden Delora just absolutely went off. He did whatever he wanted to the Buffs secondary he passed 33 completions for 46 attempts, had 484 yards passing, six touchdowns. The Buffs as a team allowed 673 rush, or total yards. Arizona coming into this game averaged 125 yards on the ground. They put up 178 on the ground. That porous Buffs run defense rearing its ugly head once again. Buffs offensively, not bad. It could definitely be better. Owen was okay. Still did a lot of freshman things. Um, we'll have to dig into. I'll have to dig into the tape and tell you more about that later in the week. But I mean, there's still a while to go with him. Obviously, the running game looked pretty good though. Specifically, Anthony Hankerson and Deion Smith. Um, I mean, we talked about this many, many times. Deion Smith needs to be getting more carries. We'll see if Sanford is able to do that for him. He had a very impressive catch and run uh, for 41 yards. It was almost beast mode like the way he was running through guys and shaking off tacklers and keeping his balance. Very impressive stuff. The Buffs got to get this guy more involved, man. Uh, but back to Anthony Hankerson as a true freshman, just very impressive. 12 carries, 68 yards. He had a touchdown on a really hard run on the goal line. The Wildcats actually jumped off sides on that play. Didn't matter. Hankerson just ran through them all. Um, but yeah, not enough for the Buffs. Defensively, it was just bad. I mean, you had Trevor Woods as your leading tackler, 13 tackles. He did have a pass defense. Josh Chandler Semedo, 10 total tackles. He had one sack and two tackles for a loss. But that was really it for this team. Uh, they ended up walking away with six pass breakups. But Delora threw the ball 46 times. He was completing around 60-65% of his passes anyway. 
Jacob Cowing. We talked about him a lot for the Wildcats, too. He just went off. This guy's a legit ball player. I mean, he's going to be an NFL guy, probably top 100 or so. I mean, I think he's can work his way into being a day two pick if he keeps playing at this level. 12 receptions, 180 yards, one touchdown, just doing it all, catching it intermediate. I don't think he had anything relatively deep. It was a lot of catch and run stuff, some screens that he definitely just popped off right away. That, that speed just jumped off the off the tape at you. Dorian Singer, also a nice game for the Wildcats, nine receptions, 160 yards, and one touchdown. Um, defensively, three sacks on Owen McCown, five tackles for loss on the buffs. They had six passes broken up. That really hurts when you're only competing, completing 14 passes in a game. Uh, you have to see more efficient passing game moving on here from Owen McCown. As he puts this freshman year of experience under his belt, uh, See, we'll see what he can kind of take from this. One thing I want to touch on with this passing game, though, it's crazy how they just don't have a guy that is their go-to guy. Um, I mean, you had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten guys catch a pass in that game, but no one over three receptions. Daniel Arias had three receptions for 31 yards. He had the touchdown, but Hankerson had two receptions and Maurice Bell had two receptions. Everyone else was just one. Um, it's just, it's strange. I don't know what the deal with that is in particular. I don't know why one guy just can't be the focal point of the offense and can really take over. We've seen Jordan Tyson sort of do that in, in like a playmaking way. Him and Owen McCown have seemed to really find that chemistry downfield um, when Owen has to extend plays. We saw that with the one catch for Jordan Tyson. It was a 42-yard bomb uh, from Owen McCown. Really nice throw. But just weird how we haven't really seen a premier guy step up for this Buffs receiving core, and I think that's something that might be lacking and really hindering this passing game when we look and see why that Owen McCown hasn't been too efficient so far. With that being said, we finally talked about the game. Um, I put the tweet out. Uh, it's a lot has changed since then. So a lot of your guys' tweets aren't really, uh, honestly, they're just not relevant anymore because, well, they ended up firing Darrell. They ended up firing Chris Wilson, something a lot of you guys were talking about. But there are still a few replies I'd like to read here. This is from my guy, West Bank Pete. He said, if the Buffs and Rams played on a neutral field this year, what would the line be? Very, very interesting question. I love that. Neutral field, I think, gives the edge to the buffs, but I think myself and just odds makers in general, what do you, what can you make of that matchup? I think you can, I don't see any way that the buffs would be more than three point favorites in that game. Uh, and it'd probably be, be even less. I would probably be close to one or two points, I'd say. Um, if it was home field, I think you could get into that four or five range for the buffs. If it was in, uh, Colorado State Stadium, it would probably be closer to a pick em. Maybe the Rams are one-point favorites, but a very interesting question. I mean, it's just so tough to evaluate. None of these teams really know who they are. Um, they both struggle mightily. So it would, I mean, I don't know if it'd be entertaining football. It would be something to watch, definitely, though. Next replies from Silver Buff. See you failing to cover is going to fund my retirement. Yep, 0-5, not only straight up, but 0-5 against the spread too, as massive dogs in all of these games. Buffs are, of course, on bye this week, so we do not have a line this week. We'll see what happens when they face Cal after the bye. We will get to Cal a bit later too when we recap the Pac-12. Next reply, however, is going to be from Corey Crooks. Corey says, was that the last winnable game of the season? We've talked about October a lot. 
Oregon State is in there, but you got Cal coming up in two weeks or the week after this weekend. And then at the end of the month on the 29th, you have Arizona State. Arizona State flexed their muscles a, a bit against USC, showing that maybe they're not as bad as we all initially thought they were, and maybe the coaching t- change was completely necessary. With Cal, though, there's a lot to get to. We'll get to both of those teams in the Pac-12 recap, but I think you can look at the Cal game and the Arizona State game as games that you potentially could compete and win. Um, Final tweet we're going to read is from J-Rod. J-Rod says, basketball starts this month. Yes, sir, it does. We have media day on Wednesday. Um, I don't know how we're going to handle me going to media day and the live show. We'll figure something out for sure, though. Uh, We'll definitely talk about basketball Probably on Friday this week. We'll see if we can sneak a little bit in on Wednesday for our live show with Ryan and Henry. Um, until you Just keep an eye on the Twitter, guys. It's tough for me to say right now exactly what's going to happen. We're going to do a lot of coaching search content coming up too. Um, we will surely cover that on Wednesday also. Uh, real quick though, before we transition to our Pac-12 recap, shout out to Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, these guys are awesome. They have a birthday coming up, 32 years young. It's going to be... Their weekend-long Hootenanny on October 8th and 9th uh, coming up just around the bend. It's finally almost here this weekend, just in time for the Buffs bye week. So if you need something to do this weekend, keep an ear and an eye out for DMVR Hootenanny giveaways leading up to that 8th date. Check out the link in the description or breckbrew.com for more details on tickets and artist lineup. All right, so not a great weekend of Pac-12 football. There was some big takeaways that we have. We're going to start on Friday night, though, with Washington traveling to UCLA. Um, we talked about it on that Wednesday show last week when we were guessing some or uh, making some picks on, some, on the lines. The Bruins, a two-and-a-half-point dog in what was a weird line because Washington, to this point, had been really dominant in stretches Uh, But UCLA was no pushover, as they showed on the field against the Buffs. Washington started off this one hot. Penix found Rome Odunze early to take a 7-0 lead. Then UCLA was gifted a safety after Washington fumbled in the end zone. And DTR just started cooking at that point. He looks so much better this this year in so many different categories. Talk about his poise, his patience, how calm he is, how accurate he is. And he's really starting to do some advanced stuff, playing the quarterback position, uh, just stuff in his reads and looking off defenders. It's going to be fun watching him for draft prep uh, early in 2023. Charbonnet was rolling early and often too. He ended up with 22 carries on 120 for 124 yards, one touchdown. He's also getting it working in the receiving game. Added three receptions and 56 yards as a receiver. Jake Bobo had a big game for the Bruins also. Didn't really do too much against the Buffs, but he showed out in a great way on Friday night with six receptions, 142 yards, and two touchdowns. Michael Penix, that risky nature he plays with, he he really tries to hit these tight window throws and show off his arm strength. Well, it came back to bite him a bit finally against UCLA. Um, He was picked off in deep in Washington territory. That set up a cheap UCLA score. He missed an underneath defender late in the second half or second quarter for his second interception. So two first half interceptions for Michael Penix that really allowed the Bruins to jump out to a 26 to 10 lead at half right before halftime though. One of the most impressive plays I think I've seen all year. And that was DTR going straight up in the air for a massive hurdle. He then also did a Lamar Jackson style goal line juke 
right before halftime. Uh, he has just been playing unbelievable, or I'm sorry, that juke was in the third quarter. It was a strong and balanced UCLA attack. Um, eventually, they went up 33-10, to 10 and it was just too much. I mean, Washington would rally uh, to produce a 40-32 to 32 final score, but they did score in their last drive to get within that one score margin. UCLA, UCLA at that point just ran the clock out, and it was an easy, rather easy victory for the Bruins. We'll have to watch out for them as we move through this Pac-12 slate. They are a contender in this conference. Moving on to quite a... I don't even know the word for surprising, I guess, in one way, but also not expected in the other in terms of what USC did on the field against Arizona State. It was a 42-25 game, although that final score may not be as close as this game suggested. In the first half, it was tight, though. USC scored on their opening drive with big runs from Caleb Williams. You also saw Brendan Rice and Jordan Addison getting involved early. Travis Dye had a really powerful run near the goal line in that first drive. That was capped off by a Caleb Williams touchdown. That firepower was just out and rolling early for USC. They were going to move the ball no matter what happened or what Arizona State threw at them. But the Sun Devils responded on offense. Uh, Emory Jones produced an impressive drive. He found Xavier Valade for a touchdown. And it was a really close game through the first half. Uh, it was a 21-17 game, much, much closer than many people expected. But USC eventually just pulls away. USC's defense was really struggling in the first half. They allowed points on every Arizona State drive except the final drive of the half for the Sun Devils, which is a one-play, six-yard drive that just ran out the clock. Uh, Caleb Williams was just super, super impressive this game. This guy is the real deal. When he is draft eligible, I mean, he's going to be, if not the number one overall pick, he's an easy top five, top ten pick. Some really incredible throws. Uh, His agility and ability as a runner was impressive. He had an amazing jump pass out of the end zone to sort of save a safety, but then ended up getting a first down out of it. It was very Mahomes-like. He found Brendan Rice again in the second half. He had some mistakes. He wasn't perfect, I'll say that. He did have an interception throw in the end zone middleway through the third quarter. But other than that, outstanding game for Caleb Williams. Uh, Second half, USC outscores. ASU 21-8 for a 42-25 final. Next game, Stanford at Oregon. We took the Cardinal in our Pac-12 picks. And, of course, the Oregon Ducks win by 18 in a line that was 7.5 or or 17.5 or 17. I can't remember which exactly, but a painful one there. Oregon's defense flexed their muscles and sacked McKee early, forcing a Stanford 3-and-out. Stanford would then just punt on their first four drives, so it was really hard for them to get anything going at halftime. It was 31-3. Bo Nix was playing well, doing a lot of stuff on the ground, actually. Didn't do too much through the air. He did fight in Chase Cota um, for a 49-yard screen pass. Chase Cota showing a lot of speed on that play. Uh, Bo Nix ended up having an 80-yard touchdown run in the second half. Noah Sewell and the Oregon defense found a groove also. Uh, this defense might be starting to figure it out a bit. I mean, they have too much talent to be this bad, so we'll see if they're able to pick it up in the second half of the season here. Noah Sewell almost had a scoop and score, though. Uh, It was about a 40-yard run back. He had two fumble recoveries on the day, actually. Oregon, as I mentioned, was up 31-3 at half, so Stanford had a bit of a run to at least make it look closer, but there was nothing much that they could do on Oregon. Brandon Dorless, two sacks, three tackles for a loss. He's someone to watch out for. As I mentioned, Chase Coda, that speed is real. Two receptions, 56 yards. He had that one touchdown. 
Bo Nix on the ground as a runner, six carries, 141 yards, and two touchdowns as a passer. Again, nothing much really going there. 16 to 29, 161 yards, and two touchdowns. Tanner McKee, uh, I mean, played all right. There just wasn't much going for Stanford on that day. They were completely outmatched. He went 19 to 33 for 166 yards and two touchdowns. Next game involves the Buffs' next opponent, and that is the Cal Golden Bears. Cal went into Pullman, Washington to play the Cougars, and Washington State made quite easily work of the Golden Bears. It was a 28-9 game. Cam Ward was out making plays early in the option game. The Wazoo defense nearly forced a safety uh, against Cal on Plummer, sacking him, but I guess they rolled it just outside the goal line. Uh, they would punt deep. It was a scoreless first quarter, though. Washington State then gets a big punt return and a Cal personal foul for a player playing without a helmet. Have you, I, That's crazy. That's a personal foul to me. I don't know. I get it's a safety concern, but a 15-yard personal foul is pretty rough for that. That gave Washington State a short field. They went and took a 7-0 lead. Uh, Plummer had some solid drives. He was hanging in tough. He got hurt at one point in the game, and this is going to be a storyline uh, to watch out for. Uh, but he was able to find J. Michael Sturdivant, and Jaden Ott did some things on offense for the Cal Golden Bears, but it just wasn't enough. Jeremiah Hunter had six receptions, 109 yards for the Golden Bears, though. He looks to be their best offensive weapon on the outside. Uh, in the second half, Cam Ward really just found a groove and was flashing his true dual threat ability. Uh, he had some really impressive throws in third and longs. He was making plays with his legs. But he did kind of get a bit too confident in himself. Uh, a little, so a couple heat checks from time to time on two interceptions, both throwing into the end zone. The second one was a play that Cam Ward extended and just made a bad throw into the end zone. His play style reminds me so much of Kyler Murray. Maybe it's just the all red uniform wearing the number one and uh, a bit of a smaller quarterback. But he plays so much like Kyler Murray, I think. Um, I don't know if he's near as good as Kyler Murray, though, but he's a fun college guy to watch. Washington State's defense, or Washington State in general, I should say, just begins to flex their muscles. As Cam Ward got comfortable, he's hitting some tight window throws. Um, eventually, he finished with a very efficient line of 27 of 40 in passing, 343 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, he didn't add too much on the ground when you look at it, but the the work that he does behind the line of scrimmage and extending plays, um, it's really like Kyler Murray, Fran Tarkenton S, the way that he can do that. Um, this game at one point was 14-9, but Washington State had 21 second-half points, 14 in the fourth quarter, so it wasn't close. That defense just collapsed on the Cal offense, four sacks, seven tackles for loss. Uh, Jaden Ott only held the 69 yards on the ground. He did have that touchdown, but Plummer came away hurt. Uh, something with a bum knee, he had a scramble at one point and got tackled. And then a couple plays later, he tried to extend the play and just was really immobile, almost collapsed as he was trying to run. So this is going to be a storyline we watch out for. Kai Milliner is the quarterback that finished the game for Cal. We'll see who they start this weekend. Uh, but if Plummer doesn't start, we'll see what Milliner can do. And if this team is susceptible to, I guess you'd call it an upset by the Buffs when they return to the field. So definitely a storyline to watch too and that we will cover on this show the final game of the weekend not much really happening here i mean this looked like a great game going into the weekend but utah the 12th ranked team in the country puts it down on oregon state 
It was a 42-16 final score. Four players threw passes for the Beavers. Chance Nolan started the game through two interceptions in his first seven passes to go 2-7 for 26 yards. He was pulled. Ben Golbranson was put in, 12 attempts for 21 yards. He threw two interceptions, although he threw for 177 yards. Tyjon Lindsey, the wide receiver, threw a pass, and Jack Coletto, the linebacker, threw a pass. Just an overall weird game. Cam Rising played very, very well for the Utes, 19-25, passing 199 yards and three touchdowns. He also ran for 73 yards on seven carries. But the story of this game was Clark Phillips III on Utah. Three interceptions for this guy. He did have a pick six also. Just a very impressive game. He's going to be someone to watch out for down the line. He is a sophomore. I don't know if he is draft eligible yet. It seems like he is. He did play in 2020. He does have that COVID year to take advantage of. So this is a draft eligible player. Uh, we will definitely be talking about him as we move through the year. Oregon State, though, I mean, if they could find anything at quarterback, this is a team I think that could be really dangerous. They have some legitimate speed on the outside with Silas Bolden and the guy uh, Anthony Gold. Both those guys just have serious juice. Gold, five receptions, 79 yards. Uh, but Silas Bolden had one carry for 29 yards, just split right up the Utah defense on an end around. They got to get those guys more involved, and they got to get a quarterback that can get them the ball. Devon Vele, a nice game for the Utes. He got seven receptions, 94 yards, and a touchdown. But overall, it was a very dominant win for the Utah Utes. They kind of flex their muscles and state their claim for being the best team in the Pac-12. Uh, we will definitely keep an eye on them. Of course, they are in that loaded, absolutely loaded uh, November slate for the Buffs. We'll talk a bit about the rankings here before we get out, though. Five Pac-12 teams in the top 25 Number 6, USC. Number 11, Utah. Number 12, Oregon. Number 18, UCLA. And Washington at 21. USC stays pat in both the coaches poll and the AP top 25. We see Utah up one spot in the AP poll to 11. They also match that 11 ranking in the coaches poll going up two spots from last week. Oregon right behind them in both polls also. They went up one position in the AP poll, up three in the coaches poll. UCLA makes their first appearance of the season 18 in the AP poll and number 19 in the coaches. And then Washington, after that loss to UCLA at number 21, they dropped six spots in the AP poll, also six spots in the coaches poll. That puts them at 24. Another interesting note, TCU enters the top 25 for the first time. This is, of course, the team that the Buffs opened the season with. They are at number 17. So that top of the schedule for the Buffs, that non-conference stretch, it's just looking even more brutal as we get further and further removed for it. I know Minnesota stumbled, but the Buffs have really gone up against a loaded schedule to this point. Um, so a lot working against them. A lot on this show, but we made it through. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Again, we will be back on Wednesday with some sort of live show. Details will be ironed out. Keep an eye on the Twitter account at JakeDNVR to figure out exactly what we're going to do. I will update everything there. Shout out American Raptors. Until then, guys, take care. Let's go Buffs.